Well, equity markets are grinding lower, and the combination of higher bond yields and a weaker China and a US dollar, which is finding a lot of love in this market, is causing anxieties building in markets. We're seeing gold trading south of $1,900, and we look ahead at Jackson Hole, another key event risk that you need to have on your radar. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris Weston. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be discussing all the factors that are going through the, the world of markets. We are seeing a slight change in sentiment. Whether that sentiment continues to last is obviously yet to be seen. That's something I'm very, very keen to explore with Mr. Blake Morrow. So, Mr. Morrow, come back into the program with you, sir. How you go? Hey, Chris. How you go? You well? Are you in? Uh, did you uh, did you did you get any of the uh, the England versus Australia, the Lionesses versus the Matildas game last night at all? I did actually. I, ironically, when I got up this morning, I re- had realized that the game was ongoing, and so I, ca- I caught the last like third of uh, of the game. It was what a, what a great match! And what I, a goal! I was what just, a goal from Sam Kerr! What a goal! It's ama- it was amazing. It was an amazing match, and I, like I, I was telling you know people that I was talking to about you know about this whole situation, it's like. You can tell all these teams, all these teams are rightfully hungry. Mm. You know, the U.S. Uh, exceptionalism. We can talk about that yeah, in a little sure. bit. But, you know, for the U.S. women's national team, it looks like they're off the table for, I would say, for quite quite a while. I think they've got a, a lot of rebuilding to do. Therefore, it opens up the door for uh, some great teams to, to, to come you know, rise to the top. And That's I think right, we're yeah. seeing that. And, and, and it's it's fun to watch. Well, we've, got Jones, watch. we've got Jones coming back for the final after her instantly as Nigeria. I think the English defence was was rock solid. Um, and, and I think that, that will get us, give us the platform. But I'm calling uh, I'm calling England 2-0 for the final. Wish uh, wish it what's the what's the Moro bet? I I I'm I'm going to go into a PK shootout, 1-1 PK shootout. And PK you notice shootout. I said penalty kick shootout, Chris. <laughs> That's what we call it here yeah, on Americans the other side just of make the up world. their own language, don't they? It's just it won't catch on. I can guarantee that. Anyway, let's go into topical thunder. I'm 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 calling the lionesses and yeah, let's see hopefully the ladies get it done. Anyway, let's go into topical thunder. Right, I'm going to bring up volatility because, yeah, we are seeing a bit of drawdown coming through in equity markets as we go into options expiry. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the dealers have been, uh, you know, short gamma and they've had to you know, hedge that position, hedge the delta as the market moves lower. They've been shorting S&P futures, individual uh, stocks, and I think that's kind of moved the market a little bit lower. Sort of technicals have broken down through the 50-day moving average in the S&P, which has been a really good trend filter for some time. Uh, and the US dollars rallied as well. So I think this combination of, of high yields, which we can get on in a second, and the stronger US dollar, and obviously concerns around China's property space, the credit markets there, and also, you know, just the general economic malaise we're seeing, the lack of fiscal, I think is is, is causing this. But I think the one thing that's really been missing in this whole cycle, uh, Blake, um, is is volatility. And if we're seeing high volatility, then yeah, volatility breeds higher volatility as a lot of these targeting volatility targeting funds have to you know take money out of the equity market. <clears throat> we haven't seen that. The VIX is still trading around 16%. Um, FM, FX volatility is still pretty low. Um, you know, you can look at the move index, which looks at <clears throat> excuse me, uh, treasury implied volatility, and that's yeah, you know, hasn't really moved too much through this situation despite yields moving up. It's been a grind rather than this big impulsive move. And I think yeah, that, that's the missing piece of the jigsaw is, is, is volatility still pretty subdued. 
once we get past OPEX on the weekend into next week, does that mean that we're going to see a higher volatility regime or do you still think people are not acting on this at the moment? Well, you know, that's a good question. And and I want to make sure that you all stick around for the end of this uh, this show because I'm going to I have a volatility play that I'll be put putting in there, just squeezing in there. But I, I do want to say I, I think the, the the word of the day is orderly. Um, you know, the move that we've seen down in equities has been somewhat orderly. Uh, a lot of people have been attributing it to the OT, uh, OT, was it OTE uh, options that are zero days to day. expire. Yeah. Yeah. ZTE, that's whatever it is. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's at the end of the day for me. So I'm zero time to expire myself personally. So, <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think we've just seen an orderly decline and, and it is summer. So, uh, but as you pointed out, you know, volatility might just feed on itself. Uh, I look at I look at the current situation as more as like a um, a domino effect, and uh, right now we're seeing, you know, cer- certain commodities are holding up. They're right on the verge. That was one of the my borderline topics today was talk about commodities. But I think you're starting to see the dollar really, you know, get to a point where it's a make it or break it. Equity markets still can pull back a little bit and not disrupt the overall trend. But we're getting to some big inflection points and. And I think if you start to see some of the commodities break, you see the dollar break, you might actually see volatility increase. And so, like I said, it's a domino effect. I think as you're if as a as a market participant, you're starting to see the signs and you're like, okay, if this happens, this might happen, this might happen. And they're all starting to fall. You're starting to see those dominoes knock over. And the last one is usually volatility. I think you make a good point on zero DTE though. I mean, that's yeah, last week that made 50, 55% of all um, all options that were traded were zero DTE. So it's it's a massive effect now. So less people are trading you know, strikes that feed into the VIX, for example, those longer, yeah, the ones that average wait into a 30-day. So yeah, a lot, so much of that, that options activity is taking place zero DTE um, that, that people are less inclined to sort of buy those, those longer dated um, you know, downside puts effectively. <clears throat> and people are buying dollars to protect their portfolios, I think is, is a big one there. So and I think if you had to see higher equity volatility, it always starts for me in, in the rates markets and bonds markets. And and if you see rates volatility increase, yeah, that has big implications for using treasuries as collateral for, for repo purposes. And, and that's where yeah, FX and, and, and equity vols really spike up. So I'm watching the move index very, very closely indeed. If that moves up higher, yeah, no doubt you're going to see the VIX above 20%. It's not there yet. There you go. Watch the move index. And speaking of which, that's a good segue to talk about this move that we're seeing in the bond market, Chris. And and I know I've posed this question to you before, but really when you're starting to see the equity markets roll over, you're starting to see the dollar really firm up. You know, the dollar is getting to some pretty key technical levels that we'll talk about here momentarily. Um, You know, back way back when, or, you know, let's just, you know, let's just think maybe a couple of years ago, there wasn't, a lot of places to hide out there. You know, you, you had the dollar, you're like, okay, I'm going to start buying the dollar. Maybe I'll buy the yen. But right now you have actually, you know, the bond market where you can actually start looking at, you know, some, some of these, uh, you know, higher yielding, you know, no, it doesn't matter what, what end of the curve you're at, whether you want shorter term or longer end, uh, you know, maturities bonds could be posing a little bit of an attractive uh, yield at this point, but bonds continue to sell off. And we we continue to see yields drive higher, and this is one of those dominoes that's kind of following. That's that the dollar is also following alongside. But I wanted to ask you this, based on your experience and what you're seeing, uh, what's driving this move in the bond market overall? 
Um, you know, is it inflation expectations? Is it rate expectations? What are you seeing out there with your clients that you're talking to? Well, you can get really technical on this sort of stuff and start talking about term premiums and, and, and the compensation you have for rolling down the curve. Um, <clears throat> but that's a factor. So, yeah, go and Google that one because yeah, term premium is becoming less negative. Um, I think it's the supply issue, to be honest, is, is the main issue. Um, yeah, we've seen that last couple of weeks. The Treasury have, have, have issued more bonds in their refunding uh, announcements than, than what have people previously suggested. And you go into the next quarters and we're going to see more supply coming in. So supply issue. So that's what's lifting 10 and 30-year Treasury yields uh, in that in that guy. So, yeah, would I be buying? I wouldn't, personally. Um, I, th- I think there's, yeah, it's going up at the moment. And I think, you know, for a lot of leveraged funds... Um, unless you're like a real money pension fund, but if you're using leverage in the bond market, which a lot of hedge funds do, <clears throat> the cost for overnight funding um, for collateral to, to get that leverage is really expensive. So um, unless you're buying with real conviction and you start thinking to yourself, there's a real strong chance of a, of a recession, you just wouldn't be buying bonds with any kind of leverage in, in, in the fixed income market. And that takes a major player out of the market because the, the cost for that overnight funding in, is so expensive. So the, the, the big one of the big buyers is out the market. You've also got the Fed and other central banks are out the market. Yeah, they, these were a price insensitive central bank who have removed the mouse as well. So to buy bonds, you have to have huge conviction, huge conviction that we're seeing a, a longer term disinflationary spiral and that we're going to see a recession risk. And that's why you've taken a lot of the buys out of the market. And, and it's been you know, quite easy to move yields higher. And that's where we are. So I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be buying at this level until the market gets strong conviction of recession, which is not the case at the moment. Um, yeah, I think people will, will continue to push them higher and that's, that's lifting the dollar. So I think it's supply, the removal of a massive buyer, and also leverage buyers out of the market. And, and the fact that the US data continues to come in stronger, um, I, I still think there's further upside. The one you want to look at, though, Blake, of course, you've probably been speaking to your clients about this is real rates. This is the real cost of capital. And 10-year real rates at the moment are just sitting shy of 2%. Uh, I think that's one of the big issues that's impacting markets at the moment. So higher bond yields, um, you know, for people out there who earn, didn't go to university um, and study uh, finance, applied finance, you know, go up and have a look at the idea of, of, of the net present value of investments. And there's a hurdle rate or a discount rate that you use to work out the, the, the net present value of an investment. Um, and you, you, you adjust the, ca- the, few, the expected cash flows of investment. And that is the 10-year treasury or the 10-year real rate. And as yields are going higher, these, these future cash flows are worth less. The net present value of these investments are falling. And I think that's part of the reason why you know, high yields are, are, are reducing equity valuations there. I love Western University. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. So it's, it's, it's probably a lot <laughs> to some people. But, you know, ultimately that, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're interested in that concept, that theoretical concept, which you know, seems to be making down the hurdle rate. And that's all for, for business owners out there as well. Yeah, for people out there who, who run a big business, you know, you are looking at this idea that I can go out and I can expand and borrow money for expansion purposes. Um, well, you know, there, there's a choice you make as a business owner, and that is I could go to the risk, I could go and borrow, borrow you know, 10 year, uh, I, could, I could go and get a 10 year treasury at 425, risk free, effectively, you're going to get your money back. Or I can take this money from the bank, which is the cost of capital, and I can use this for expansion purposes. But am I going to get a return? relative to the risk-free rate, you know, for those those right. expected cash flows I'm going to get. And right now, you're probably saying to yourself, no, and I'm not going to take that project on. I'm not going to expand because the cost of capital to get past the hurdle rate to make an internal rate of return is, is becoming higher and higher and higher. So that's when the cost of capital in, in the treasury market is moving up. 
you're saying to yourself as a business owner, I'm not going to take that expansion plans on right now because the cost of capital means for me to break even on that investment, those future cash flows from that project, is just becoming higher and higher and higher. So you refrain from taking that on, of course, that, that lowers demand. So that's a, another really important point. Anyway, I want to go into the US dollar, <clears throat> Blake, because... Um, you know, apart from the pound, which is also motoring along as well, um, the US dollar's making all the right plays. It's got this kind of safe haven quality that we like about this. If you are looking to hedge your downside in, in the equity market, you know, as a, as a sort of cross-asset manager, you, you've refrained from going in gold, but you can go and get 5.5% for a, a six-month T-bill, you know. <laughs> you know, why would you want to go and play in gold in this market, you know? Um, but the US dollar's negatively correlated to risk for, for equities, so you've got probably the best hedge is the US dollar in the market at the moment. You know, you can go and buy puts um, and, and get that downside as well. But, yeah, I think people have been using the dollar as a, a hedge. Um, you've got that cyclical factor as well, that exceptionalism story. Have a look at the, the nowcast model that the Atlanta Federated. I know it's a ridiculous number. It's like 5.6% or something. But, you know, it's never going to realise at that number. But it just shows you. Yeah, the data has been coming in strong. You know, China's a clear concern. We can go to China till the cows come home. But, you know, the US dollar right now is, is looking so good on a number of factors. I've coined this this magical currency, and it's moving up in the right direction. So CTAs and trend-following funds have been piling in as well. Um, I still like it. And dollar CNH is right at the heart of everything I'm seeing, and that's just going up, 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 as is dollar yen. Um, so I still like the dollar on dips. Um, yeah, how are you playing it right now? I'm well. I'm playing it on the long side. Uh, I, I actually have one dollar short, but three dollar longs that I'm playing currently. That's that would be the that would be my book if you want me to talk my dollar book um, that I've been playing literally for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and and if you if you're like, well, you know, I look around, I look at Europe, you know, and I just heard Christine Lagarde. She's sound really dovish for departure from way she's been uh, recently. So Europe, yeah, don't want to be there. UK, uh, maybe, but you know, how about if they if they if they want to you know fight uh, deflationary pressures by by lowering rates again? Yeah, maybe I don't want to be along the sterling. Yeah, China, that 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 that's your antipodean issues with with uh, whether you're it's the Aussie dollar, or the Kiwi dollar, uh, Canada. Canada looks like an absolute disaster right now. Um, you know, maybe, maybe following its the fires. Plus, you got a rollover in crude. I don't know if I want to be long Canadian dollars, so I'll buy the U.S. dollar. Then you got, as you pointed out, the U.S. dollar CNH, which looks exceptionally strong. That's one of those levers that the PBOC could pull a little bit and 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 weaken the the renminbi using the FX uh, reserves. The Use it, yeah, and you know make make exports a little bit more attractive, um, you know for 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 the rest of the world to to China. And then then you got you know the Bank of Japan. That's really the only one where the BOJ at some point could say, I'm checking rates and uh, or the Ministry of Finance, maybe minute, check yeah. rates. Maybe because we're at intervention levels. Right, Chris, right here around the dollar yen. Last time, I've got Chelsea. Saw intervention. Yeah. 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 But we're real close. One forty five, one forty six. If that happens, I, I don't necessarily think it's a dollar story. I think it's a yen story. So that doesn't really disrupt anything either. So bottom line. I'm more weighted long dollars right now, and I'm going to continue to do so. Uh, while there's risks, I see risks in the market. And it's kind and, of uh, um, if there's, you brought up a really good yeah. point earlier, and and that is the exceptionalism story. 
it is the exceptional currency out there at the moment on so many fronts. And yeah, this just making it appealing. You've got to ask yourself what's going to change that. Is it the Bank of Japan? I think China has to do something more. You know, they, they there's all these property concerns. There's so many of these these property stocks, uh, property companies which have issued debt and they're, 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 they're trading at distress levels, less than 10 cents on the dollar. Obviously, Country Garden and, and other, other names as well. Um, you know, China have stopped publishing their youth unemployment numbers. I mean, this is just, I mean, it's tactically, sentimental, semantically, yeah, it, it just feeds through to a lack of transparency, which the, yeah, most people in DM markets already know that there's a lack of transparency. The fact they've stopped publishing youth unemployment numbers because they're at 21% and they may cause uh, you know, social unrest, I think is, is just what we're seeing. Um, so you've got property concerns, you've got you know, lack of trust, and you've also got an economy which is you know, stagnating and the market is crying out from the from the Chinese government. You promised us fiscal after the Politburo. We yet to see it. Give us more. We need it. The PBIC is stepping in. So I think China. We haven't talked about it here, but yeah, it's just again, it's just incentivizing people to be long dollars in that environment. Yeah, it sure is. And so uh, dollar, I think it should be on everybody's radar. If you're not long, you know, buying dips, that's kind of the, the mode I'm going to be in, especially with equity markets where they're currently at. Now, that, that turns us to our next topic, which is going to be inflation. And, um, you know, today I, I was mapping out for, for the traders that we in our community, you know, the FOMC meeting minutes. I'm like the worst possible case scenario for equities is that, uh, that, that um, you know, the Fed is going to say that they can the fed governors will say they could see further tightening and really that's what happened you know we there could be further tightening the market has to say okay maybe the 2024 rate cuts aren't going to happen um so then we got to reprice stocks will come down as a result and that's kind of what happened by the end of the day so you know the the headline that i saw is inflation could require further tightening um and uh and 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 fed funds uh, Fed minutes set, set to show only a minority saw the end of tightening. So a minority. I think if you look at the Fed governors, it was like four out of the seven or four against seven or eight, something like that. Um, and and also to top it off, we're at the one year since the we had the Inflation Reduction Act, which is silly to say, but it is. It's it, that made news, believe it or not. Um, but on the flip side, Chris. You know, you have, uh, you, you know, you have commodities. They look vulnerable. You got crude oil that looks like it's going to come down. One of the one of the big inputs into in, into inflation is energy costs. Housing still looks obviously pretty strong. Um, you know, and that's going to be a big factor too for inflation. But that you know, so you got all these, you got a lot of cross currents here. And you look at the UK uh, inflation data that came out overnight. They came out came out pretty strong. So. I'm I'm wondering in your in your view and how you talk to your your clients and your customers. Do you see the inflation fight being over, or <laughs> maybe these disinflationary pressures are going to continue to 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 to, to accelerate? Mate, it always reminds me of the the, the, the saying, um, you know, it's not about being right; it's about making money. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's what true, we do, right? True. So, um, yeah, I, I think the. The Fed are data dependent. I mean, that, that's the that's what I took out of it, and and I didn't really read too much from the minutes, to be honest. That they're, they're just they're thoroughly data dependent. We need to see the payrolls number coming out on the first of September. The average earnings will be interesting. Yeah, they've been going up, but that's largely a function of people working less, and that's pushed the average up there. Um, 
the next CPI print comes out on the 13th of September, and yeah, all signs are that that's actually going to increase. So we're at 3%, 3.2%, sorry, we're going to go up to 3.6% um, on headline. Um, and I think, yeah, that's largely a result of a you know, base effects from um, higher crude prices in, in that market. The market is pricing 3.6%, and then the September numbers, when they come out, um, will, will be another higher read. So I think we're going to start seeing inflation moving up a little bit before it then dissipates uh, over the next 12 months again. So we've got a couple more readings of, of higher reads there as well. And that may mean that they may have to raise rates in November. Um, I don't. They're definitely not going to raise rates in September, in my opinion. They'll skip that one. Um, and that, that CPI number in on the 13th of, of September... Yeah, it could mean that, that that they may raise rates in 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 November. They're not going to raise. There is no meeting in October, so yeah, I think that November one where it could be where we get a final one. But they're data dependent. If that CPI number comes in hot, if we get a really strong payrolls number, and some of the other data continues to trickle in this way, that yeah, they'll raise rates, and and that's again another supportive and, and- leader for the for the US dollar. Sorry, go on. And I was going to say, so that makes you know based on the minutes that we got today and the way that we all interpreted them. That's probably going to make Jackson Hole, the symposium, as you pointed out, probably one of the key events over the next couple of weeks before 100%. we get everybody Jackson back Hole, off 24. of holidays. So, so we're, we're, we're looking, I mean, I'm not sure if actually they've come out with the, the explicit list of speakers and the timetables. Um, but yeah, if Jay Powell comes up, the, the thing everyone's talking about is this, this concept of, of R star. Yeah, what's the neutral, the real neutral rate of, of where the interest rate should be in the US? And there's a belief that he could lift that and, and suggest it's higher, which means that, you know, that, that where um, the interest rate needs to be for a longer period of time needs to be higher, and that's bullish and hawkish. Uh, sorry, hawkish rather than bullish. So that, that Jackson Hole is, is, is going to be critical. We're waiting for confirmation uh, around that situation there as well. So, yeah, a big one. Uh, change to- the rules. Why not? If things aren't working, let's just change the rules. Exactly. Let's do it. Yeah, why not? About that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is not for us. This is for, this is for your, your MITs and your, your, your Harvard MIT, your PhDs to come out with something that's, that's non-observable. It's, it's a number which people just, yeah create models and, and no one actually fully agrees so yeah something to be yeah, Jackson Hole's the big one there as well but um, yeah, yeah. We, we just don't know what's going to happen with, with, with inflation there so um, we do expect to go pick up in the short term but yeah that dollar continues to be a nice currency to hedge against that risk anyway let's move on to that's a setup. Right, so we've got two questions, uh, two two charts, one one of mine, one Blake, and then we're going to two viewer ones. Uh, for you guys out there, if you've got a setup uh, that that you want to talk about, or you want Blake and myself to to to, to go for it and give our views, we want to hear that because we want to pick out one of the best ones each week. So um, yeah, you can see Sterling Aussie Aussie CAD uh, viewer questions there. Um, do do put them in the in the in the, in the comments channel, and we or, or you reach out to us individually on Twitter or wherever you want to go. But uh, comments is probably best, and, and leave your charts and, and and what you want to talk about there, uh, and we'll we'll bring that up next week as well. Anyway, let's start off with Dolly Yang. So I know this is this is a hot conversation. This is a hot uh, conversation. I think they call that in France, topic du jour. Um, but you can see the breakout there. Now, tactically, um, this is a tough one because, you know, it's, it's going up. I want to be long. Uh, you can see those series of green candles. It just goes up, 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 makes higher highs. Every pullback's defined in that five-day exponential moving average, um, yeah, which is really what you want to see in a really strong, impulsive move. Where there's really not many uh, sellers of this cross, of this currency, and, and it's just moving up. But, yeah, you mentioned the, this intervention levels, Blake, um, 
and, and where is it that, that people start getting hot under the collar? We're already seeing a few noises from 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 keynote officials. But for me, I'm, I'm staying long. I think I think this goes uh, goes above 147. Um, the rate of change is always the most important thing for the Bank of Japan, Bank of Japan, rather than just absolute levels. But I think above 147 into 150, we're getting into that twilight zone where you're going to see a barrage of headlines coming through. Um, and, and that's going to make it tough to be long. And that's obviously the idea behind this. But right now, with carry and everything that's going on, I still like this higher. Well, above 145, I can't disagree. And and I, I do I do believe we are in the, you know, we're in the, the, the area, the 145 to 147 level, maybe even all the way up to 150, as you pointed out. Those are levels. I, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of banks that are targeting like 152. Um, you know, I, I just, I just make it real simple for you while you're above 145. I don't see any reason to be on the short side unless it's speculative in nature. And you believe that, uh, you, you think that, uh, you know, we're on the cusp of, of, uh, some intervention or at least some verbal intervention from the ministry of finance or the bank of Japan. Um, but a lot of comments and a lot of murmuring starting to go around. And, and I think you do have to be cautious. I think you, whether you're trading it on the long side or on the short side, Keep your size manageable and know where your stops are at. And if you get stopped out, like I happen to be trading this the other direction, Chris, so I happen to be on the other side of you. Um, but I know where my stops are at, and I know my position sizing, and I know my risk, and I know it's a hedge against my other dollars. So I'm, I'm willing to take I'm willing to take a stab at it on this pair. But um, if I'm wrong, I you know I'm wrong. I've been wrong uh, in this pair. I before. said on I said on Twitter so, yesterday that you like if you were an animal, it would be an owl because you're wise and you know I think that's some, some wise words there, Blake. But I mean I, I still like this long because it's going up really, and, and there's no real reason. But look, everyone in in macro world is like, what's the level for intervention? Is this time slightly different from the last period? Are they less? Is there less need to do it this time around? Are they actually going to even if they were to come out the MOF to to, to to sell currency and, and buy buy yens effectively, is it actually going to have a lasting impact, or are people just going to buy that pullback? Uh, but yeah, I think position sizing when you're long, um, yeah, will limit yourself if we were to see a, a 500 pit rip to the downside. So yeah, absolutely, a, 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 a chart that's top yeah. of mind. So always, always. All right. Um, well, my my setup that I, I brought here today is going to be gold, and I think gold looks very vulnerable. Now, look, I, I you know. I know people are very sensitive when you talk about gold. Um, I'm more of a long-term gold bull, but I think near-term, we're at a quadruple confluence. And that's what I pointed out to our traders today, is if you take that descending trend line, it connects all the way down to where we're currently at. We are just below the 200-day moving average, which you know makes it a little vulnerable at this point. Horizontal support comes in at 1890. Um, and it seems like we're at, well, we're just below the 38% retracement, depending on how high your spikes go on that move higher uh, earlier this year. At any rate, I believe below 1890 could open up a trap door. It could be quick. If you guys are looking for longs, you might be able to pick it up as we close in at the 50% retracement around the 1850 level. The flip side to that is, hey, maybe this level does hold, but I think stops are really probably gathered around there. And as long as yields continue to go up, and you see the dollar continue to rally. I think the risks are building that we'd see a downside, at least a, a quick downside break, even if anything, to take the stops out, to take yeah. all the long stops out. Anyway, how are you seeing gold here, Chris? 
I, I, I wasn't really listening. I was, wasn't paying attention to what you're saying, to be honest, because I, I was thinking about the last time I actually went to someone's house and saw a trap door. It's been a while, isn't it? Maybe something that, that's sort of been phased <laughs> yeah, out over know. time. But, <laughs> it was probably prevalent back in your, back <laughs> well, in your area, but less, yeah. but less houses being built with trap doors these unless days. You're a, unless you're a mob boss. If yeah. you're a mob boss, you might have a trap door in your house. Yeah, now, fundamentally, I don't like gold. I, I see no reason to be long gold. Um as I say, you can go and get five and a half percent yield in six months. Treasury bills, real rates are moving above two, I in two percent in tens. The US dollars in beast mode. It's all the signs that say, like, why would you want to be long gold? And yeah, you but you hedge yourself against the recession, and of course your recession risks are getting blown out. Go and have a look at sofa rates for 2024. You know we've priced out a, a, a decent amount of rate cuts for next year. There's still some there, obviously, but um, yeah, all those factors are very gold negative. The positive for gold is that you've had. The kitchen sink chucked at gold fundamentally, and it and it's and it, and it, it held in pretty well. I think resilience, yeah, it's, it's it, it, there's some drawdown there, but it's it's pretty resilient given all of those factors we've been seeing. Um, the question is, is what's going to cause a material bounce? Well, you have to see a trend in the data flow. If China was to really kick off, and you know, people really concerned about a credit event, and that spilt over into wider credit spreads globally, you know, we saw a wider equity drawdown, and people started pricing in a high degree of, of, of recession risk, yeah, gold's going to absolutely fly. But that, that's not going to be a one-day affair. Um, but yeah, look, the technical's there. So yeah, fundamentally, I, 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 I don't like gold. We've been talking about it for a while. Probably some of it's in the price, a large amount of that's in the price. But yeah, the investment case for gold right here is not there. I know what will cause it. And when I see that, then I want to ramp it up. But from a trade, yeah, we might get a bit of a bounce off those levels. Fundamentally, I think it goes lower, though. We'll see. Well, that's a teaser. That that means you have to be listening here each and every week to the trade off. Can't well, miss exactly. any shows because we'll be cluing you in at least. Well, like gold, gold's gold's a great hedge in your portfolio against you know, the symptoms of, of high rates and recession risk and all these factors. But when we see those signs, yeah, like you you increase your allocation towards gold in your portfolio. We know what it's used for, um, and we can increase it when it when it does that. Right now, no one's really buying it for those purposes. So if you want to hedge equity drawdown, you've been buying puts, or, and most prominently, been buying US dollars as against that situation because the low correlation or the negative correlation. So that's the one there. Sterling Aussie, let's go into that one, please, Mr. Producer. <laughs> Sterling Aussie. Okay, cool. Uh, we have a question uh, from King Kim Jong Un, uh, and it's good to see Blake that the program is getting out to the wider masses, uh, to the wider masses, and some uh, some colourful characters there as well. Um, Sterling Aussie. Uh, it's my take from last week. So this is a question that we saw from from last week, which we didn't get round to, but I think it's we've picked it out. Um, because it's, it's it's a really poignant point at the moment. So, you know, what's going on there? Both countries, the the, the narrative from from the RBA, um, yeah, what's happening with with inflation in, in the UK? So I'm going to break that down because we've just seen a UK inflation number that was slightly hotter than expected. Wage numbers, yeah, which you can slice and dice whichever way you want, but they were pretty hot. Um, and then you've got the market market in the UK now pricing terminal around six percent, where where the cash rate could get to or the bank rate could get to. Um, the pound's been the flavour de jour along with the US dollar. Um, because of those um, those forces that are taking place, um, yeah, I mean, this has just been a crazy trade. I mean, the Aussie's been weak because of obviously it's massive leverage towards China, and Chinese markets are, are still you know not offering us any love there. So you've got this actually trading. You've got <clears throat> you're marrying off two two forces: one which everyone's loving, and one which everyone despises. And you, you put them together and you get a trend like this. The question, of course, is, is, is does this continue to go up to, say, the two handle? Um, obviously, nothing's ever linear. 
and pullbacks will be bought. But until I think for me, Blake, until such time that the the PBA, uh, so the, the the Chinese government come out and give us a, a coherent plan um, that that, give, that we can sink our teeth into, I think people are bought pullbacks, and I think two's a, a feasible level. What do you think? I think two is a feasible level because that happens to be a channel resistance. If you drew parallel lines, you know, connecting the lows and connecting the highs, you, it takes you right to two. So, um, you know, here's one thing, and I'm gonna, I'm just going to throw this out there. Something that I've been watching very carefully, and 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 anybody who knows me and you know knows that I'm watching the Aussie dollar as we approach the 64 cent level. Which, at the time of us filming, we're trading at 64.04. We are on support. As the you know pound Aussie lurches higher, right? this isn't even a live chart. So we're we're actually another you know 40, 40, 50 pips higher from when you took the screenshot of this particular pair. So that just shows you how close we are, and, and we're just you know 150 pips off of that two level. But I'm going to tell you this: I'll be watching the Aussie dollar at 64 cents because it's a long-term trend line that connects the post-COVID lockdown lows all the way to current price. If that breaks, pound Aussie could go higher than two. And yeah. I think that's a risk. I but, think that we can actually we'll be going towards Aussie we're going towards the cap. But the one thing is China, China equities, if they bounce, sentiment towards China is max bearish right now. You know, dollar C and H has just been going up and up and up, and and yeah, outflows to China have been there. Any positive headline will cause a significant rally in the in the Chinese equity market. We don't we don't know if we're going to get them, but the, yeah, if we got something that, that that we can sink our teeth into that's tangible, that's going to address what's happening in the property space and cause you know really bring out demand and consumption. If we get those headlines, which we've been promised, um, and and a, pa- a plan that we can work with, that the Aussies going to have a big rally. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, you could see the Hang Seng up four five percent in a day. Um, the question is, is when does it come? Until that such time that we get those headlines. Yeah, I think sterling obviously can continues to climb higher for people who are buying pullbacks. Well, well, with that being said, Chris, maybe the better option is going to be the next trade that one of our viewers, Paul, brought up is playing the Aussie Canadian off of the channel lows. Now, this question was from a couple of weeks ago, but it's still very relevant today because he's following this descending channel. We're at or just below the 88% retracement. We could go a little bit lower, but as I was just explaining with the Aussie dollar, we're so close to 64 cents right now. Matter of fact, as I'm looking at live quotes, we're two pips away from 64 cents. We're near really key support there. And if it can hold, if the Aussie can really fiend off the bears from the 64 cent level, or maybe perhaps there's some favorable Chinese news, the Aussie Canadian might be a good play, especially as crude oil starts to roll over. But instead of looking at it as, as a channel, look at it as a descending wedge. And that's with that descending trend line. The, the break of that would be a move back above, let's just call it 88 cents in the Aussie Canadian. We break back above that, then we might challenge the, the, the uh, range highs, uh, which would take us you know, uh, 150 pips higher. So what do you think about the Aussie Canadian here? Well, I'm just looking down. I can see it. A cheeky bit of a divergence or triple divergence playing through as well, which um, on that RSI, which yeah needs yep. to play out. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously for for me, given my views, is if we were going to see a bounce in the Aussie, I think it'd probably come against the Canadian dollar rather than the US dollar, and it would be more sustained rather than a one day affair. Um, but yeah, like the, the the technicals of the technicals and the price action, the behaviour, the aggregation of those behaviours are obviously mapped out into that. So you've got that that triple divergence. Um, positive bullish divergence playing through. If it breaks through that, um, that, that, yeah, the wedge and, and the downtrend, you can see. Then, yeah, I think that would that would 
offer us as a, a pretty decent setup. And yeah, what's going to cause that? I, I have no idea. I have a, a checklist of things that could cause that, and I suspect it would be down to you know some positive news around China and an in, in incredibly bearish sentiment. So yeah, look, I think if you're looking to play China. Um, and, and we were to see that snap back at some stage. That that, that that setup will complete, and you know you can see that in the price action. So I think this is one that you put on the radar. It's a good setup. Um, I appreciate you bringing that on. And uh, yeah, we just need that that news flow to trigger us now. So we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll watch and wait. But the thing is with Chinese news flow, is first first movers advantage. You know, when, when you get those headlines coming through, you need to act. You need to act. And and I think you probably see that in the equity flow. You know, if you if you were to look at the H shares or the CN fifty or the the the, the HK fifty, the Hang Seng, you know, if we saw a you know, really strong buying, you know, coming in, um, yeah, I think that that's really going to be the trigger for, for for Aussie longs to to work quite well. So yeah, good one there. We'll we'll see. Um, so on the radar. Let's let's go, mate. May I can it, may I mention? Uh, uh, thank you, Paul, once again for for yeah. bringing that question and Kim Jong Un. Uh, as well, um, you know, from North Korea, we appreciate that as well. But if you guys have any questions, any setups that you'd like us to us to to comment on, yeah, please jump in the comments down below. And Chris on. and I are going to try to tackle a couple every week. So. Yeah, bring it on. Thanks, guys. Um, all right, let's go into uh, play of the day. Yeah. Okay. Last week I, I brought out Nat Gas. It was uh, yeah. We, we I took to to the trade off. Um, we're still waiting for the negotiations around what's happening in, in, in Western Australia. So, But it's just been crazy crazy volatile, as it has been to an extent in, in Brent. But certainly, yeah, taking that one off for a, for a loss. So, yeah, not, not a great play of the day. But obviously, yeah, that's 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 trading. Uh, today, I'm looking at a long, short idea. Um, and I'm looking at being short the Russell and long the US, uh, US 30 or the Dow. Um, <clears throat> I am, yeah, I do think there's probably some further downside in equity markets. Um, but in case if we do see a bounce, I want to protect myself to an extent, and I just want to play the relativity game. And you know, what, right now, given everything that we're seeing with, with higher bond yields and, and concerns around financials, which you know, we're talking about Fitch again, looking to downgrade further. Yeah, there's such a heavy component of financials in in, in and mid cap and small smaller financials, smaller banks in that Russell 2000. Um, that I think we're going to see the blue chip index outperform. The Russell, the small cap index, the Russell, Russell, and you can see that right now because you've got the Russell, which is your numerator, and, and you've got the the US five, oh, sorry, the US thirty, the blue, the the Dow is your denominator, and as that market's going down, as you can see there, you're seeing the Dow outperform, so it's already working well. Um, I think this has got further juice, so I think that we're going to see continued out underperformance from small caps relative to large caps, and the way I want to play that is is for a long short idea, so being short. The US 2000 and being long, the US 30 is a pairs trade long short strategy playing through. So it's already working. Uh, I still think from the fundamentals suggest there's further juice to come. I think we're going to see underperformance, and that's the way I want to play it. I love those pairs trades that you bring here to the trade off. So thank you. Thank you for that, Chris. Um, so my uh, play of the day is going to be, like I said, it's going to be a volatility play, but it's the US dollar, Mexican peso, and the VIX. Now, I, I, I want to say it's fiesta time, but it isn't. And this is one of those things that Chris mentioned earlier today in the show. Hey, where's vol? Where's the where's where's the the spike up in volatility? You'll notice the very strong correlation between the U.S. dollar Mexican peso and volatility. So we all know where the breakout point is in the dollar Mexican peso. At least those of us that are following it is at seventeen forty four. Or you can just round it up and say seventeen forty five. That's the exchange rate that needs to be broken to the upside before you play on the long side. However, if you want a little bit of a clue if that's going to happen or not, 
wait for the VIX to break out. If the VIX breaks above the 18 and a half handle, starts trading up towards 19, then we know volatility is increasing. We know that as volatility increases, risk aversion is increasing. The dollar Mexican peso would be prone to breaking out to the upside. So that is, and I and I'm trading it to the long side. I already am long. I'm, I'm you know, slightly in the money right now. It actually costs money to carry this. But if you really want to be clued in that it is going to move, in my opinion, make sure volatility is breaking well above 18. That happens. That's your cue. And if you follow me via Twitter, you probably saw that yesterday. I posted that. Yeah. And if you're not so. following Blake on Twitter, you're missing out. You brought up a key word there, and that's carry. Um, and you are seeing, yeah, if volatility goes up, the first thing that gets unwound is carry positions, and there's a lot of money in that. So, yeah, the, the Mexican peso um, has been one of the carry darlings. Um, and, yeah, if we were to see volatility kick up, that is the key for funds to de-risk that that carry position, and that's going to cause the the Mexican peso to unwind. And it's why you probably see the yen uh, rally because of carry um, being unwound. It's the preeminent funder there, so yeah, watch that. And I think you probably look at if you want to look at that one, have a look at Mex versus the yen because, as I say, the yen is a, is a better funder. So that's a good one there. It, uh, it actually just <clears throat> it just hit trend highs this week or just like yesterday I think it's yeah. amazing amazing yeah, so Carrie's yeah. being unwound a little bit at the moment in certainly in LATAM FX uh, but the, the 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 key driver of that is always volatility volatility kicks up you you, you know you, you see an unwind of that so it's an interesting one anyway Blake I appreciate all your comments and anyone out there for staying this long smash the like button and. Give us, a, give us a comment. Let us know how you're trading the market and also any setups that you want us to look at for next week. We'd really appreciate those. And we'll see you back next week for more of The Trade-Off. <laughs>